Well, open up your Bibles. We're in this series called Battle. And uh, I'm fresh off a plane ride from Kansas City where the battle didn't go so well. Congratulations to the Chiefs fans. We have the Shellhorn family anchors the chief side of the Eagle Church, you know. And Mr. Shellhorn, last Sunday, he, he walked up with his, he said, well, at least I'm wearing Priest Holmes jersey. Ha, 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 right. So there's only one team in the NFL that feels good at the end of a season. You know who that is, right? There's only one. Not the Patriots, come on, <laughs> please. Only the Super Bowl champs, 31 other teams feel like we feel today. Disappointed, but not discouraged, right? We had a great season, a lot to be accomplished. Congratulations to Coach Reich and all the players and staff who busted their tail all season long. We accomplished a lot of good things and strong core to build on, hopeful things to look forward to, but definitely the plane ride home has this lining of disappointment to it, right? When you work really hard and you expect and hope and pray and the outcome isn't quite like you wanted it to be. Isn't that real life? There's a lot of real life in that, is there not? And last week we were looking at this reality that we all face in life, that every single one of us is going through some great battle. Everybody. Mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, you name it, everybody's going through something. But here's the premise of the series. No matter how big your battle, it's not bigger than Jesus. And last week, we looked at King Jehoshaphat. Do you remember? Anybody pulled out their solar eclipse glasses, right? We haven't seen a lot of the sun lately, but just imagine, right? Jehoshaphat, he said that there's someone, right? He saw someone, Yahweh, God Almighty, is going to stand between him and his battle. His battle had a name called the Ammonites, Moabites, and Munites. And he said he's got to slide on these glasses and see that God is going to eclipse the size of his personal battle and change the atmospheric realities in which he's living. And my prayer for this series and this whole month long is that would be the case for us, that there would be this shifting in our atmospheric realities as God gets bigger and bigger in our eyes and we see that there's someone coming between us and whatever is our battle or battles. Because sometimes a new year equals a new battle. Sometimes a new year is same old battle. And whatever that case may be, Jehoshaphat last week, 2 Chronicles 20, taught us to pray into the face of our battles, right? Are you not the God who sits enthroned over the circle of the earth? Yes and amen. Did you not come through before? Yes and amen. Will you not come through again? Yes and amen. That was Jehoshaphat, right? So we learned to pray into the face of our battles. And today... In Judges chapter 6, we're looking at a character named Gideon who's going to teach us to worship into the face of our battles. I put a little diagram in your notes. If you haven't pulled out your message notes or fired up your app to get that electronically, here's kind of an overview of the book of Judges, okay? Judges is a book about cycles. Judges is a book about repeating the dysfunctional patterns of yesterday today. I'm glad we don't struggle with that, but just imagine if we were to struggle with repeating some of the struggles of previous day or declaring it's going to be a new day only to find it's the same old day, same old way. That's the book of Judges. So here's how the cycle goes um, with Judges. Israel doesn't do what God wants them to do. So just imagine if our lives occasionally, like we're just, we don't do what God wants us to do, right? That, that's real life. Sometimes we just don't. Israel gets off the, off the path. And then God raises up an oppressor, 
and named some of the ites, Midianites, Ammonites, Moabites, Hittites, Perizzites, all kinds of ites. You say, what are all the ites doing in the Old Testament? Often, they're a tool of God to raise up, what, to send them in and kind of oppress the Israelite people and get them to turn their heart back to the Lord. And then eventually, the Israelites cry out to God. Now, sometimes that happens in a week, a month, a year, or decades. And then after there's a crying out to God, God hears their cry and he gives them a deliverer, a judge, in this case Gideon. And then the oppressor is, oppressor is subdued. And then the land and the people have rest and they rejoice and they're so grateful. And, and then there's that, oh, that's great, good turning point. And then Israel doesn't do what God wants them to do. And the cycle repeats itself. So over and over and over again. So here's where we're at, Judges chapter 6. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So there's 12 o'clock on the dial, on the cycle. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. All right? There's 2 o'clock on the dial. Verse 6, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. There's about 4 o'clock on the dial. You see that? Notice it's seven years, right? Some days it's seven days, seven months, seven years, seven decades that you can live in some cycles of dysfunction to the degree where, have you figured this out in your life with God? You know, God brings change in our lives and a big core part of that is you gotta want to. There's a desire factor. You gotta want things to be different in order for them to move into a place of being different. Sometimes we can just enjoy living in our cycles of brokenness and mess so much that you just kind of settle down there and you just develop a spirit of resignation and just go, oh, it's just kind of how it's going to be. And the Israelites, in this case, seven years, like, well, the Midianites are here. We're just kind of have to get used to being in this oppression until eventually you say, enough's enough. Enough's enough. And you cry out to the Lord. Seven years. And here he raises up Gideon. Look at Gideon's name. I put in your notes, it means hacker or warrior. Does that give you a picture of what God's plan is for him? <laughs> it's like, hey, Gideon, I picked this guy named Gideon. Gideon's not looking for something to do, but God's looking for someone to do something for him. An angel of the Lord, this is verse 12, appeared to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Underline mighty warrior. We'll come back to that. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. So we'll look at three kind of three principles from Gideon's journey that give us insight in how he worshiped into the face of his battle. You can think of it as like three lyrics, three verses to his worship chorus in the face of his battle. Here's the first verse in Gideon's worship chorus, that seeming absence is in fact presence, capital P. Now stay with me here. Gideon's conclusion is, he looks at the circumstances of his life and says, God's abandoned me. Midianites are here. This is a mess. My life's spiraling. Families are spiraling. Nation's doing terrible. We're doing terrible. It's been going on for years. God's abandoned us. Isn't that fascinating? So he, he looks at circumstances and concludes God is absent. Well, what does the angel say? The Lord is with you. 
So some, I think about the times in my life where I've examined the circumstances I've going through and thought, you know what? God must just be have pulled out his hand from that. He must have just withdrawn his presence from that. I've kind of thought absence when in fact the circumstances are God's presence. And this, I think, can happen to all of us, right? You can, the Lord is with you and you're fighting for a struggling marriage. The Lord is with you and you're, and you're praying for a prodigal son or daughter to come home. The Lord is with you and you sat with that doctor and they gave you the news you never imagined getting. The Lord is with you and the company just had another sequence of cutbacks and you don't know what that means for your future. The Lord is with you and... The Midianites are in the land, and they're impoverishing, and they're creating a mess. The Lord is with you, and. So often where we conclude, here's what this exposes. I think we've got this, if not spoken, probably subtle agreement in the back of our minds that God's presence equals circumstantial safety, comfort, and convenience. At least I do. So you know what? Often I think, you know, if God's really blessing and presence on my life, then it's a little more safe, a little more comfortable, a little more convenience by my preferences, by the way. When that's not God's agenda at all. Here, God says to Gideon, I'm with you, and you're in the middle of a mess. So where he thinks absence, there's presence. And I wonder how many of us, that's 2019, that maybe you enter into a new year, and you've been wrestling with, has God abandoned me? Is God hearing my cries for help? Has he pulled his hand from me? Has he withdrawn his presence from me? And how about in the midst of those circumstances, you might be right there with Gideon. The very conclusion where you're wrestling with absence could in fact be his presence. The Lord is with you. And notice the title he uses for him, Mighty Warrior. (laughs) Gideon is threshing wheat on a floor. He's just doing his normal job. It's like I think of it as just doing his chores He's just doing his daily chores, and the Lord comes and calls him mighty warrior. Now, follow this. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, underline, but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is underlined weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. Underline weakest and least. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. Isn't that great? Look at verse 16. It says, I will be with you. There's the eclipse. The Lord's saying, hey, slide on your glasses, Gideon, because someone's about to stand between you and the Midianites. And that's going to change the atmospheric realities that you're going into this battle with. Notice, I will be with you. That's his promise. I'll come in between. And then notice the I will spawns in the you will. Notice God doesn't seem to be struggling with Gideon's struggles. Is that encouraging to anybody else today? I'm so glad God's not hindered by my own inability to connect the dots. God doesn't seem to be hindered by Gideon's inability to connect presence and absence and whether he's mighty warrior threshing wheat. God's like, hey, I'll be with you. That'll be enough. And then you're going to do this. Well, I'm so grateful the Lord is like that. He's like, hey, I'll work with you in your own weakness, in your least. I'll work with all that. I'll be with you, and then you will. I will spawns in, you will. So absence and presence, here's kind of the second chorus in Gideon's worship song. It's this one, right? Where God, where we see weakness, God sees strength. 
It's an interesting dichotomy all through the scriptures. In this case, right, God declares Gideon mighty warrior. Gideon's conclusion is weakest clan, least in my family. Probably add confused, disappointed, huh? can't figure out what's going on. Like, I think that would be a better, like Gideon's condition is, hey, I'm confused. Uh, I'm a little bit overwhelmed with all this. I'm disappointed with how it's going. I feel weak and least. God looks at all that and says, mighty warrior. <laughs> See, here's, here's God's draft board, right? God's draft board doesn't look like our draft board. When we sit down to recruit people and build a team and think about how we want to stack this group up and put the best possible people here, here's God's, God's draft board. He likes to take the least likely and the most ordinary. Right? I look at our room here. Well, look at me. Look at look at our look, look around. Least likely and most ordinary. And if you feel like you're not most ordinary, just ask the person who knows you well. You're just ordinary. That's first round draft pick with God. Look at how He builds His kingdom all around the world. Look at the storyline of this book. God takes people like Abraham at age seventy five, Sarah age sixty five. And says, I got a great idea. I'm going to start a nation with these two. Now, come on, mom and dad, 75 and 65. And if you don't think that's old enough, he has them wait 25 years to conceive. Picture Sarah rolling through the maternity wing there. 90 years old, shopping for maternity clothes. How about the looks from the young moms then, huh? Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90, and then Isaac's born. There's God's plan for building the nation. Are you kidding me? Where we see weakness, God sees strength. And then he takes Isaac, and you think, well, Isaac's going to start having kids real quick. Like, as soon as he's able, he's going to meet a woman, and he's 40, and he's single. Are you kidding me? Isaac, for those of you who are struggling with your singleness, and you feel like the clock is moving along, Isaac is your profile. He's your guy. Sarah, his mother, passes away and doesn't get to see Isaac's wedding. Are you kidding me? Probably Sarah's like, Lord, surely we waited that long. You're going to help me see how this nation goes. No, weakness is strength in God's eyes. Or how about Jacob and Esau, right? Eventually, right, you have these, these twin boys are born. Esau's the older. Esau's, of course, going to be the leader. And it ends up being Jacob, the younger, is going to lead Esau, the older. What's up with that? And then Joseph's on the scene. And Joseph's this brother who's sold into slavery. He's sold to Potiphar's house. He's forgotten in prison. And he ends up being the one how the Israelites flourish in Egypt. He ends up being vice president of Egypt. What's with that? Weakness is strength in God's eyes. He takes the most ordinary and the least likely and he does his work. He takes Gideon threshing wheat, and he says, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, I'm the weakest. I'm the least. I'm overwhelmed. I'm confused. I'm disappointed. You're a first-round draft pick with God. Or how about the apostle Paul, perhaps the best profile of them all? Paul, who's arresting and persecuting Christians, struck blind on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. Blind for three days, Ananias comes, pray for him, scales fall from his eyes. He begins to see he was on the wrong road. He's now going to go the Jesus road. And I happen to think, I wonder if Paul, who was very well versed in the Old Testament, 
I wonder if he had Gideon in mind when he wrote these words, 2 Corinthians 12. He's reflecting on a conversation with Jesus where he's begging the Lord to set him free from some of his own battles. He said to me, Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's like a line in God's worship chorus in the face of our battles right there. Where we declare weakness, where we see hardship, where we see ineffectiveness, God says, right there, I got a place to display my power in weakness. I will display strength. That's God's way. That's when you know, it's kind of like this. God says, Here, here's the bet. first round draft picks, most ordinary, least likely, and get to the end of your rope. So when you're just kind of, Lord, you just throw your hands up in the air and say, I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can do what you're asking me to do. I don't know if I can keep going and pressing on. When you're right there and you're most ordinary and you're a least likely candidate and you're about to give up, right there, you're on the threshold of breakthrough with God. Who else builds this team like this? Only the Lord. Only the Lord chooses to go about it this way. And here's how you know you're right at that tipping point between absence and presence and weakness and strength when you come down with a healthy case of the butt lords. Anybody come down with that lately? I got a PhD in butt lords. I'm really good at it, right? Lord guiding, giving clarity. Hey, Simpson, this is what you need to do. This is where this needs to go. But Lord, but Lord, really? Lord, this is a step of faith, but Lord... But really, I can't, we can't, they can't, this can't, but Lord, I look at the circumstances. When you're coming down with a healthy case of the but lords, here's what you've done. You set down your eclipse glasses and you just focus on the size of your battle and you forgot that there's someone going to pass between you and that battle. When you're just focused on, hey, when you're just on the battle, it's all but lords. You get your eyes up off your battle and set them squarely on the God who's going to come between you and your battle. Then you begin to have right, this journey right of a faith and a trust and a confidence to pray and worship right in the face of whatever it is. In this case, it's the Midianites who've been there for seven years and who are really strong. And whom God says, I pick a guy threshing wheat, weakest clan, least in the family, overwhelmed, discouraged. I pick him. We're going to get something done here. Right on the threshold of breakthrough. Where Gideon has declared absence, God's presence is there. Where Gideon sees weakness, God's strength is there. And stay with me. One more section. God's not done with him yet. He's not ready to release him into his plan yet. He's got one more step to take Gideon through. Verse 2, the Lord says to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remain. Are you kidding me? Do you follow that? Gideon's probably thinking, all right, we're going to go into battle here. we got 32,000. We're going to take on the Midianites who are 100,000 plus. And you go, okay. God says, all right, anybody trembling with fear? He's probably thinking, oh, there's a couple hundred who are just on the fringes. They can go home. 
22,000 walk away. How's he feeling about that strong army right now? He's probably like, they took the first exit ramp. Things got tough, they're out. That'd be like Coach Reich last night getting ready to go out into a playoff game saying, any of you are kind of trembling with fear and all that? Out of the 53-man roster, like 40 of them exit. You know, what's up with that? Well, the Lord says, I'm still not done with you yet, Gideon. Can you imagine what's rising up inside of him now? He's probably going, whose idea was this? I was just threshing wheat. I already told you I'm weak, I'm least, I'm discouraged, I'm overwhelmed. Now I just lost 22,000 of what I thought were decent soldiers. I only got 10,000 left. This is crazy. I'm going to go in here with 10,000. It's like, nope, no, you're not. Just when you thought the Lord is finished with his whittling down and stripping away and decreasing. Anybody been there? I call that the Gideon principle. This is the Gideon principle, right? The stripping down, the decreasing, the whittling away, the reducing. If you're not there, just keep living life with God. You'll be there. And here's where Gideon's at. Verse 4. But the Lord says to Gideon, there's still too many men. Which he's going to be, what? Take them down to the water, and I will sift them for you there. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. Don't you love the Bible? What other book would record stories like this? So it's like, here, here's your method. Those who are going to drink like a dog versus those who are going to stay in kind of a defense position and kind of keep their uh, swords and spears ready to go, making sure they're ready to fight. They're going to drink a certain way. And those who are just going to kind of be defenseless and just put their face in the water. See, here's what the Lord does. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. You follow this? So church, here, here's a reality, right? So where we see absence, God says, hey, my presence is in that place of absence. Where we declare weakness, God says, there's strength. There's strength in weakness. And where we just think it's just, just about where we think the battle is plenty big. Do you follow this? Do you see how the battle gets bigger before there's breakthrough? Anybody been there? It's like, Lord, that mountain is overwhelmingly large now. And so I was like, yep, it's going to get a little bit bigger first. That battle's going to get a little bit bigger, which that just magnifies, right, the size of what's going to eclipse and change the atmospheric reality. Do you see this? The bigger the battle is, the larger what has to pass in front of it to bring eclipse realities to us. And in that, God gets glory. Do you see this? So right here, this principle, right, the third chorus in his song. First chorus is where we see absence, God sees presence. Second chorus, second lyric, second verse in that, weakness is strength. Third one is this. I wrote it this way. God will align the story to maximize the miracle and magnify his glory. To say it more succinctly, the battle's going to get bigger before there's breakthrough. And for some of you, that's exactly where you are. You've been working through stuff, personal battle, and you, I think you just get getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Hold on. Hold on. Stay there. You're, you're living out the Gideon principle. Where God keeps stripping down and reducing and decreasing. When you're in a reduce, decrease position, yet the battle keeps getting bigger. It's like Gideon's going like this, and the battle's like going like this. 
right there. God's like, I've got just about breakthrough. Hang in there, Gideon. Do you feel the tension in that place? That's hard. Living life with God, this is not easy. God's going to come and pass through, but notice Gideon is centrally involved. Like, there's a crucible here called ministry that's being forged in his life and in the work he's doing. Now, remember, who started this whole project anyway? It wasn't like Gideon saying, I'll go deal with the Midianites. Gideon's just doing his chores. God's like, I pick you. Whenever God picks you and drafts you into something, here's what you know. You're going to be put in thrust in the middle of something where the battle's going to get bigger before there's breakthrough in it. And you'll experience the reducing and the stripping down and the decreasing. So like practically for us as a church, like for me, it was like Christmas week around here. So Christmas week in the church, which obviously there's a lot going on. It was like the Gideon principle with our staff and our worship team and tech team. The whole flu bug went through our whole staff. And every day it was just another person at MedCheck getting antibiotics. And I thought by the time Justin and the worship team were ready to go, I said, guys, you guys need me to play keys or grab a guitar or what? We got anybody left? We anybody to push buttons and run all the tech stuff up? I mean, people were dropping like flies. It was like the Gideon effect. It's almost like this. Right when you're heading into some of the biggest moments in your company at your work, you're heading into the biggest section of the project, and that's where right there there's this stripping down and reducing. Right then the leaders cut the staff by 15 or 20%. Been there? Right there, you lose some key players right as you're heading into the most critical part. That's the Gideon stuff. Or even as a church, we're going to gather at the end of the month. We're going to have a membership meeting on the 27th. We're going to talk about 2018. So many amazing things, great things, God things of 2018. But another part of 2018, there's a Gideon. Gideon realities of 2018. We've lost some really important and core families around here through a number of circumstances. That's hard. It's hard to say goodbye to people who've been journeying through life a long time with. And then the ripple effect from all of that, their leadership and their resources, their investment around here, that's hard. You say, well, we conclude, well, God's abandoned us? Could it be that God's presence is in that place of absence? Could it be that he's orchestrating even more weakness to display strength? Could it be he's aligning ingredients in such a way? with personnel issues or budget issues or ministry vision issues. Maybe the battle's going to get bigger, church, before we experience the true breakthrough. I don't know. But here's what we got to be faithful to do. we got to follow the lead of Jehoshaphat in this. we got to pray into the face of our battles. we got to follow the lead of Gideon into this. we got to worship in the face of our battles. we got to worship and pray and trust and obey right in the face of those. Because God's ways are not our ways. And he's going to align this story in such a way. Believe you me, if the Midianites are defeated at the end of this, the only explanation will be God. That's the point. I guarantee you Gideon is going to be leading the workshop on what it means to be thrust into a position of leadership that's way beyond his ability to handle. Why did he say he had to strip and reduce and decrease? What did he say in verse 2, chapter 7? that they might not boast in their own, right? They might not stand up there and go, hey, when the Midianites are defeated, they're going to pound their chest. Look what we did in our own wisdom and strength. The Lord's going to have none of that. And to make sure he keeps us in the rightful posture, we'll go through decrease, we go through reduction, so that when the Midianites are defeated, there's only one explanation, and it won't be Gideon. It'll be the Lord. Same is true for our stories and our battles. I draw it to a close with this. Here's how the story unfolded. So you follow, and now Gideon, God picked the weak and the least guy, 
He reduced his army down to 300, and now he clarifies his plan. Check this plan out. Verse 15, chapter 7. Gideon returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars. You need to think about their nonverbal reaction right now. Okay? Some of you have served in the military. Maybe you've been in those settings where you're going to go into a key battle. I need you to picture, right? You need to picture your commanding officer coming in. You're expecting to be armored up. Trumpets, empty jars. Yep, same face you have towards me right now. That's what they have towards Gideon right there. With torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. They're probably like, yeah, this ought to be good. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. What? That's God's plan for how you're going to defeat this battle right here. Get the trumpets, get the worship leaders, get the empty jars, set aside the chariots and the tanks and all those other things. Set aside all the other weapons, get the worship leaders, get the pastors, get the priests, get the empty jars, get the trumpets. Go out there, the front line, for the Lord and for Gideon. Start singing the worship chorus. That's a worshiping right in the face of his battle. Do you see how we have a part and God has a part? Do you see the connection here? So Gideon's centrally involved with this. Gideon's got to get his 300 together. He's got to help him get on board with this plan, which you could pick. That'd be a little bit challenging, I'm guessing. Like, I'm sure they're ready to grab all their other slingshots and spears and javelins and all those other things. That Hey, just take your empty jar, take your trumpet. Probably half of them are like, I don't have to play this trumpet. I'm a soldier. Take your trumpet, take your empty jar. We're going up. We're going to be the choir. We're going to worship because what's going to happen? Because... Someone, someone is going to pass through and going to stand between us and the Midianites and going to change our atmospheric realities. See, Gideon, his eyesight eyesight started to shift right here. He recognized his part. His part was what? To go in the strength that he has. Did you notice the Lord said, go in the strength you do have? That's a word for someone here today, I think. You feel just like Gideon, weakest and least. And the Lord says, I'll take your weakest and least. Go in the strength you do have. I will be with you. That'll be enough. As for Gideon, Gideon's got a part. He's like, go, go. I take my weak, my least. I do. I'm trusting. I'm obeying. I'm worshiping. I'm praying right in the face of this. I'll go and do my part, and then God will step in and do his part. You see, Gideon did what he was supposed to do, and then God stepped in and did what Gideon could never do, and that was defeat this battle. So worship team, why don't you come on back up? Here's how we're going to draw this to a close. And just like we did last week, give some time and space for us to respond together. Because all through this series, we're going to put into practice what it means to worship and pray and trust and obey right in the face of whatever our battles are. And maybe for some of you here this morning, you can... You can identify with Gideon in the first part of the story where you can say, you know, Lord, why is all this happening? 
I feel like you've abandoned us. Uh, remember what it was like when there were breakthroughs. Remember when you brought us up out of Egypt? Why don't you part the Red Sea some more? Why don't you oppress the Egyptians? Remember all you did all that? And now here you are and you, you're kind of wrestling with this. Well, you feel like God has like pulled distance from you. There's just too much quiet space. Maybe you've been saying, I don't think the Lord's hearing my prayers. I don't think he's hearing me anymore because he's not breaking through. He's not coming through like I thought. Right there, you're in the absence and presence wrestling match. And maybe this morning... That's the thing you want to come forward and kind of lay down before the Lord. And just kind of come forward and whether it's kneeling here or we've got the trust cross continuing to be out all through this series. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, a couple of months ago, we just took some time and we wrote down, there's an index card and an envelope and people just wrote various things that they feel like God's saying, hey, I need you to trust me with this. It's another way of saying, hey, what, what battles are we having? Where are we sensing God saying, hey, trust me with this. I'm with you. Lay this down. And you're welcome to come and do that. Write down whatever you'd like. Lay it at the foot of the cross. And this is a visual for us to leave it here. We're not going to, no one's going to read them or go through them. We're not going to pick them up and take them back. No, no, this is the point. We, we leave them here. That's what it means to trust in the face of our battle. So maybe some of you are there, right? Absence versus presence. Or maybe you're in the place this morning where you feel it's that tension between weakness and strength. You're not sure you can keep going through whatever it is you're going through. You're kind of at the end of your rope in a way where you're like Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, begging God to set you free from it, and you hear the whisper of the Spirit say, hey, in that place of weakness, I'm going to display my strength and power. And today, maybe you need to come forward and just kneel, spend some time at the trust cross or at the prayer benches and say, Lord, I'm going to go in the strength that I do have, even though it's weak and it's least, and I'm going to trust you to meet me there where I feel so weak, I'm asking you to come and turn into a place of strength. Or maybe it's this morning, you're right there with the 300 soldiers and you just got commissioned into, you're going out to the front lines and all the Lord says, you just need to take your empty jars. I love that picture of empty jars. Sometimes that's the best we've got. We just got an empty jar, Lord. We're going to ask you to ask him to fill it. You bring your empty jar and you bring your trumpet and you worship into the face of this battle and you trust that he's aligning the circumstances of your life. He's putting the ingredients of your life together in such a way. Though you may be in the reducing, you may be in the decrease. Some of you need to come and kneel this morning just to acknowledge, Lord, I feel like I'm in the decrease and I'm going to hold on to you. I feel like it's in the stripping down. I'm going to hold on to you. And you can come and kneel and recognize that and to recognize this, that the Lord is saying, hey, I'm going to align your ingredients in such a way to maximize the miracle and bring glory to his name in that story. So the team's going to lead us through a couple of songs here as, as we wrap up. And this is our space. And uh, the first song is what I think is an anthem for us this whole month. A declaration of how we're going to fight our battles. Even when it looks like we're surrounded, we're surrounded by him. Whether Jehoshaphat, are you not, did you not, will you not, yes and amen. Or you're Gideon. Absence, presence, weakness, strength. Aligning the story to maximize his glory. So let's stand together. These prayer benches are open for you to come, pray. Trust Cross is here. You can write down some stuff on the envelope, seal it, lay it down here. And let's do exactly what Gideon 
done. Take our empty jars and our trumpets. Here's kind of the leaders of the empty jars and trumpets, but we all join them. We take our empty jars and trumpets, and whatever is your battle right now, just ask the Lord to get so big in our eyes that he just begins to pass through, and you see someone standing between you and whatever is your battle.